0: Not long ago, I came on this very show and said the Pac-12 should not go to an eight-game conference schedule. But then I got an idea from a listener, and it's not the worst idea I've heard. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up-to-date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show so you can stay up-to-date with the content that's coming out, all the latest takes, news, information, everything we cover right here on the show. And we start today with a... um, a mailback question. This comes courtesy of YouTube commenter Matt Hummel, who found one of the four ways that you could get a question answered by yours truly right here on the show for all the world to hear. You can tweet with the hashtag asklop twelve or you can DM me at smalls underscore fifty-five or at lo underscore pack twelve, or you just hop in the YouTube comments. I check them every day. You drop a question in there, I'll answer right here on the show. Matt asks, or I guess I guess he pitches the idea. It's not the worst one I've heard. Idea: colon. I'm just you know reading it word for word, letter for letter, and uh, syllable or sign for sign. Anyway, I'll stop now. Uh, idea: Remove a conference game and have the conference championship be a two-round play-in. Top four teams with top two hosting the semifinals before a showdown in Vegas. This is one a way for the conference to make a splash, and two gives the Pac-12 champ two decent or good wins on the resume going into the playoff. Well, first of all, Matt, I love the optimism here that the Pac-12 has got a team back in the playoff discussion. You go, Glenn Coco. I don't know who that's going to be this year. I don't expect there to be one. Sad reality of college football at this point in time out on the West Coast. But I've heard this idea get thrown around loosely before i've heard it tied to the sec but you know basically any conference could go to this format if they choose that you know i'm also not uh up to date i'll say on all the rules and whether or not they're allowed to do something like that but thanks to our good friend george klyovkov pac-12 commissioner he did just give the conference a lot more flexibility when determining who they put into a championship game and divisions are no longer required and that rule will come into my overall take on this idea a little bit later. But when, when I read this and thought about it pertaining to the Pac-12, I thought, all right, I I, I see how that could work. Right? It's basically the Pac-12 having its own playoff, right? It, it would be the Pac-12 having its own little mini four-team playoff that teams are trying to get into and if you nullify divisions as the Pac-12 has essentially done first of all if this idea were to come to fruition you would have to get rid of divisions entirely you can't like that that's that's unquestionable it can't be uh you know it has to it has to be what they have now which is divisions really don't matter you just take the top four teams you go one versus four two versus three one and two get the host and then the winners go and meet at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas so do I understand the appeal of this? Yes, I, I think you, you market it as kind of the the Pac-12 playoff. Nice alliteration there, by the way. And, you know, a playoff within your own conference, it is a way to stand out. I, I think Matt is certainly right about that. It would give them de- teams opportunities to have good wins going into the playoff. Yeah, in theory, that could be. That also, though, is dependent on what the Pac-12, broadly speaking, needs to get back to in the college football playoff, which is they need teams to be good. They need them to be well-run, and they have to win games. I mean, if you go one through four, and, you know, seed's three and four, which, you know, let's say both of them lose the semifinal games, and it's a couple of seven and five, eight and four ball clubs, is like, that's a baseball term, sorry. I was watching baseball earlier tonight, but uh go Mariners. I just don't think that that would do a ton. So I, I think that that doesn't totally fix the problem of, The depth and respect nationally that the Pac-12 needs to be in the college football playoff discussion isn't really there at this point in time. So I don't know that it it completely solves that issue, but would it be a way to make a splash? Yeah, I I can't argue that point because the Pac-12 would be the first conference to do it. And by the way, I haven't seen that this is, you know, gaining any traction or proposed. like this is just an idea out there. And I think a, a really fascinating one. I understand the appeal of it. However, as a college football fan in general, right, put my Pac-12 fandom aside. I am somebody who is of the belief that the college football regular season is the best thing in all of sports. It is my favorite thing to watch on TV. Anybody asks me, you know, and knows that I'm a big sports fan. I follow all sports. Well, I mean, not all of them. You know, soccer, like eh, mostly when countries are competing. I don't follow hockey, but basketball, baseball, football, and I'm a huge golf guy. I'm following it all. So people ask, well, what's your favorite one to watch? The answer is college football. And the reason that that answer is college football is that the regular season is just incredible. And each week means so much, even more so than in the NFL. I mean, playoff teams that end up winning the Super Bowl can lose four, five, six games in the regular season in college football. If you want to get to the college football player or if you want to win a conference championship, you can lose one, maybe two. But two takes you out of the playoff discussion and leaves you in the okay. let's just win the conference championship, get to a New Year's Six Bowl conversation. Right. So there's nothing like the college football regular season and the pressure that is on these teams every week. So as a fan in general. I tend to be partial towards defending the integrity of the regular season. And what I mean by that is I don't want to take away from big time, regular season matchups or or devalue it, or, you know, limit the number of big time scheduling opportunities. That's why I've talked about scheduling a lot here since I've been hosting the show and we'll continue to do so because the way that you have great Saturdays in college football is you have really good matchups and you do that through scheduling. But, I think when you're talking about, you know, making a a playoff within a conference, what you're then doing is sort of placing an eye, like you have one eye on the game in front of you, but one eye on, well, are we going to be able to get into the Pac-12 playoff, right? And it'll just be all about, you know, can we get into the playoff rather than the championship game? So I think that it's not totally necessary. It's not the worst idea out there. I mean, if they went to an eight-game conference schedule, This is what I would want to see them do so that you have another quality Pac-12 game there, right? That's, I I think, the best thing you could do from the conference perspective if you wanted to go to an eight-game slate, which many of you know I do not. But I don't think this is necessary. It's just also not a, a bad idea because it would add some intrigue. There's no doubt about that, but I don't know that it would do a ton for the conference Because like I said earlier, if the potential for adding another quality win is there, but if it's not actually against good teams because schools haven't been recruiting or the coaching is not up to par or whatever the case may be, or however you want to assess the Pac-12 struggles in the college football landscape over the last several years, if those things don't change, then putting this in is going to kind of nullify the splash impact you could have or the scheduling boost that you could create. And the other thing is, If you have an eye on this uh, this sort of conference playoff that you would have, then you're taking out a potential regular season matchup, and and I just don't think that like it would technically be the regular season, but it would technically not. And I'm just more a fan. I'm, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist in that sense of. Give me a nine-game conference slate, not eight. I think the SEC should play nine. I think the ACC should play nine like the Big Ten and the Big 12 do. Pretty sure those both do, but the Pac-12 does. I think everybody should do that. Everybody should also know that Bilt has got a chewy, chocolatey brownie that is a caramel brownie bar. They're available at Bilt.com. They've got 17 grams of protein, and they are chewy, chocolatey deliciousness. Absolutely delectable treats. Forget about dessert. They're better than dessert, but they're actually kind of good for you, too. With 17 grams of protein, I've got them in my golf bag to keep me going on the course. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. Like, no joke, 100% real chocolate. I know, because sometimes it melts a little if I leave it in my golf bag for too long or if it's really hot outside, but it still tastes delicious. Go to built.com, Use promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. So this idea of an in-conference playoff is an intriguing one and worthy of examination. But I think the answer, for because the the problem in theory that I think Matt is trying to solve with this idea is you want to create the most excitement you can around your conference, and you also want to have the best teams matching up in the championship game. I don't think implementing an in-conference playoff Is necessary. I think what they needed to do is what they did a couple weeks ago, where they said, okay, divisions don't matter anymore. We're just going to put into the championship game the two teams with the best conference winning percentage. Because the other thing that could happen is you don't know what game is going to be missed, right? Because schedule, I'm not in control of scheduling. I wish I was. But if you're taking out a regular season matchup, You don't know what game that's going to be. So you could potentially, depending on how the conference is shaping up, say, you know, Utah and USC are the top teams, and, you know, maybe Oregon has fallen down a little bit, but then there's no fourth team. But Oregon has still got, you know, a a good season going, just not a great one. And so instead of USC playing Utah, for instance, in a game that could decide who's going to end up in Las Vegas for the Pac 12 championship game, you could then have them playing against an Oregon team that is not quite where they they usually are, right? Like say they come in with uh three or four losses already when they go into this hypothetical 14 team playoff and that game takes the place of what would have been uh, a Utah USC matchup or maybe a USC UCLA I mean that's a protected rivalry in there so that's not a good example, but Utah USC is in, in theory, once you get rid of divisions, not as protected. I, I I'm just saying, kind of spitballing here, but I, I I just don't think it's needed. And I think you could just bring other factors into play, like missing a, a big time game or a big time matchup that would otherwise have, you know, kind of a, a championship implication, playoff feel. Like I, I just don't think that it's it's needed to go to you know a, a four-team playoff to decide the champion. There needed to be a rule change, but they've already made that and I think that they they got it right and, and we'll see the results of that going forward. But I still appreciate the question, Matt. I, I think it's a really fascinating idea. I just don't happen to think it's something that that is needed. Keep the questions coming. Tweet with the hashtag ask LOP12. You can DM me at LO underscore pack 12 or at Smalls underscore 55 or just hop in the YouTube comments. Ask me a question about whatever it. I'll answer it here on the show. If you want to ask me something about, you know, I don't know, life, philosophy, something history. I I don't know. Ask me whatever. But, you know, it's probably better if it's about Pac-12 football and and basketball and such. Let's move to our next coaching evaluation. And that is the longest tenured coach in the conference. And it's not particularly close. And his tenure actually precedes the Pac-12 conference at this particular school. If you don't know who I'm talking about by now, uh, the answer to that question in your mind is one, Kyle Whittingham, who has spent 18 seasons in, uh, in Utah with the Utes and You just don't see that anymore at a program like Utah that has not been to a national championship game, at least that I know of. I'm sorry if if I got that wrong, but I don't believe they've been there and they just got to a Rose Bowl for the first time, though. they had been in the Sugar Bowl and they won it back in 2008 in a 13 and 0 season. Uh, Who knows what might have happened that year had there been a college football playoff? You never know. But you just don't see a lot of coaches nowadays staying at a program like Utah, which for sure is a really good program. But it's it is that and has that reputation because Kyle Whittingham has stayed there, I think, in, in the modern era. And he's a little bit more old school. And he feels more old school. Right. I think that's that's what's so great about him among many things when you're looking at him as a football coach. But you look at these coaches in the modern era now, they, they would use Utah more as a, a stepping stone. But Kyle Whittingham, I'm sure he's had offers over the years. He has to have had offers over the years to go to bigger schools. You know, uh, I mean, Utah hasn't even been a power five school for that long. So he certainly had a bunch of up, but he has stayed with the Utes, And I think that's one thing that that makes him so great. I mean, 18 total seasons, Um, his overall evaluation is an A. And remember, for those of you that might be new to this or have recently subscribed to the channel and haven't seen these ongoing coaching series and evaluations that i've been doing or this ongoing series and these evaluations sorry my mother ingrained that in me uh to just always be grammatically correct and such anyway you got an overall grade recruiting game management and scheme player evaluation assistant hires five areas to grade college football coaches in the pac-12 and kyle Whittingham gets our highest overall grade so far with an a and a, the only reason it's not an A-plus is because he hasn't gotten Utah out of the college football playoff yet. But I'm not handing out A's like candy here. I consider a C average. Anything above that is above average. And Kyle Whittingham, way above average. Loyalty a part of that. But it hasn't just been that he stayed. It's that he's been winning so, so much. I mean, he's had two losing seasons in the Pac-12. All right, And I'm just looking today... Uh, when, I, when I'm evaluating him at his time in the Pac-12 conference, because it's a Pac-12 show, but uh, newsflash, he was really good when Utah was in the Mountain West as well. Like I said, they won a Sugar Bowl. He's had two losing seasons in the Pac-12, just two in 11 years. That is mighty, mighty impressive. And he is coming from the Mountain West, so I think there was probably an expectation. I'd have to go back and you know look at all the headlines and everything, but people are, were Probably asking those questions. Oh, you're making a jump to a power five. It's going to be too much. It's a different level. Yada, yada. Yeah. Kyle Whittingham clearly does not care one bit. His only two losing seasons, by the way, he went five and seven. So it's not like there's ever been, there's never been a disastrous season for Utah with Kyle Whittingham ever. Ever. There's never been a one and 11, a two and 10, a three and nine, or even a four and eight. They've won at least five games every year he's been there. It's been remarkable. He's got a 10 and four record in bowl games. He has lost three in a row, which means before that he was 10 and 1 in bowl games. And if you want to look at what makes a good coach, the ability to beat a non conference opponent in a bowl game and prepare your team for that, that takes a lot. And being 10 and 1, that's ridiculous. So I think he's coming back down to earth a little bit. But um, God, that Sugar Bowl, or that Rose Bowl last year was so good. Won the Sugar Bowl in 08, uh, very nearly had his second BCS New Year Six Bowl uh, a season ago. But so overall, he, he gets. He gets an A, you know, and again, only reason it's not an A plus is because he hasn't been in the college football playoff yet in the college football fandom world. That's what we would call first world problems. His recruiting, I give a B plus. Every year he's been in the Pac-12, except for one, they've been top 50 nationally. And Utah, I think in the last few years, has started to emerge more and more as a state that has some has some good talent at the high school level coming out of you know the, their various schools across the state. You think about the, the Sewell brothers most recently, but there have been a lot of guys over the years. And, and I think it's you know one of those states very much like a Washington or an Arizona where other schools from around the country are starting to to kind of creep into that territory more and more on the recruiting trail because they see the talent that that is coming out of there on a pretty consistent basis. It's you know not a, a recruiting power per se, which is why it's pretty impressive that they've been top 50 nationally every season, but one while Kyle Whittingham has been there. But you, you come in as a former Mountain West program and it's not in a state like Texas or California where there's a bunch of kids right in your back door who are big-time talents. I mean, he's had to go and get some, but he's also just developed an identity on the recruiting trail of finding players who fit his scheme, who fit his mindset, his culture and mentality that he has built up there for for the Utes and just developing them really, really well, which I'll get to in a sec. So overall recruiting B plus, you know, it's been nothing special, right? They haven't uh, cracked the top 20 before, but being in the top 50, I think now, you know, in the coming years, Utes fans should expect them to be top 30. I mean, you've, you've won a Pac-12 championship been in that game a couple times very nearly won a Rose Bowl as well within a game of the college football playoff in 2019. I mean, it's starting to become a program that has more national respect. So I think you should be able to start to dive into other states more than that they perhaps have in the past and get some big time players. But they also don't need to because Whittingham knows exactly what he is doing. Uh, Game management and scheme. I give an A minus. I think if you ask Utah fans and again I'm not giving out a lot of A's here but you you can't win that many games if you aren't good schematically if you talk to Utah fans and some interactions I've had with them here on the show and in the YouTube comments and such which I very much appreciate and love to see I'm all about show engagement even if you think I'm a total idiot you hop in the comments say Spencer you're an idiot I'm not going to hold it against you that's okay Uh, I think if you ask Utah fans they would say you know the last few years leading up to, or the the several years leading up to the last few, the offense has kind of been what's been holding them back. And and the defenses have always been there, but it's always been about, you know, can can the offense step up? Can the offense, and they have, right? In the last several years, I think they have with Tyler Huntley. Now with Cam Rising, they've had some, You know, really explosive. They've had some explosive playmakers. Britton Covey in that mix. Zach Moss, who's gone on in the NFL. Tyler Huntley, by the way, is a backup on the the Ravens, I believe, which, you know, good for him. Uh, But, you know, the offense, I think, has had some seasons with Whittingham, who's a defensively oriented coach. They've had some years where they've come up short. But the defense is always there. And when the offense starts to, you know, at least start to rise to that level, they don't have to be where the defense is for Utah to win because defensively they're going to be so solid year in and year out. I mean, the offenses don't have to be great, but if they can just be good, then you're going to win a lot of games. And we've seen that with Utah in the last few years. But, you know, overall, I I give them an A minus on game management and scheme because Utah just. They just keep winning. You have to be good on Saturdays, especially if you're not a recruiting power, which Utah certainly is not, right? They're not like, you know, Oregon the last few years has really just gotten by on their recruiting success. I think if you talk to Duck fans, they'll tell you schematically Mario Cristobal and, you know, definitely his first offensive coordinator, Marcus Arroyo, were not the sharpest on on game days and made some head-scratching moves. And, you know, Kyle Whittingham definitely exposed that last year twice when he – smacked them all up and down the field in in a couple weeks time so i i think that he, he's good on saturdays and, and player development i give him an a just because i i don't know what's required for an a plus maybe, maybe it is a a plus doesn't really matter i mean they've sent guys to the nfl but what utah does well it is something i was talking about earlier in the show they bring in players who fit what they need who fit what they are going to do and they know exactly how to allow them to grow within the program and, and just be successful. Just be successful college football players first. But now you're starting to see guys go off like a Zach Moss or Tyler Huntley as a backup, or you know they, they've sent a couple defensive players over the years. Devin Lloyd just got drafted in the first round. I'm pretty sure Devin Lloyd was like a three-star prospect. I mean, that's what I'm talking about when I refer to player development. Like, can you take a three-star guy and have him be a, a first, second, or third round draft pick, right? That That's the sort of, growth that you want to see from these young guys when you're looking at the state of a program and Kyle Whittingham does as good a job with that as anybody in the country and I mean they they just get the most out of the guys that they have it's not you know a a program like a Cal or a Colorado or an Oregon State or a Washington State where you know you really have to make do with, with less I don't think it's it's that low of a recruiting power and I think the stats back that up but it's definitely not an Oregon or a USC or what UCLA could potentially be, uh, or what you know Stanford's had some really good classes over the years. It's just not on that level uh, as a school on the recruiting trail right now. I think they're starting to raise the profile. I think they're definitely starting to do that. But do they need to go out and get a billion four stars and a couple five star guys in a class? No. I mean, you just you look at any three or four star guy who who they get and you think. Yeah, that guy's going to be a good player because he's learned under this particular staff. Uh, speaking of the staff, y- you know, I give the hires a B to B plus. You know, I-, I-, I think we'll go with a B plus here because one thing you see from really good football programs is either your assistants stick around for a long time or your assistants. I'm talking about your coordinators here, but, you know, other assistants, too, or your assistants get hired to be head coaches elsewhere Utah hasn't had a ton of that though you know they, they've had they've had some turnover with their coordinator slots every school has and when you're there for 18 years that's certainly the case but you know I, I think of them a little bit more like uh like Clemson with Davo Sweeney who just lost both of those coordinators after having them forever forever right and uh, Andy Ludwig is their offensive coordinator he's in his second stint with Utah he he was with the Utes for 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 several years and then left and now he's back and he's definitely brought the offense back to where they needed to be to compete at a conference championship level clearly they rolled to it last year as we all remember and uh you know morgan scally to me their defensive coordinator is just a quintessential utah sort of guy and embodies what kyle whittingham has represented there he's been on the staff for 14 years this is his sixth as defensive coordinator but you know at any time utah Loses a coordinator, you kind of expect them to promote from within and you expect it to be successful as well. Same kind of thing with Stanford, like they very much keep things in house, whereas a, a place like Oregon or USC or UCLA tend to go outside to bring it. Or Washington State just brought in an outside offensive coordinator as well, Eric Morris, coming from Incarnate or at the FCS level. So I, I think that that's you know definitely part of, of Utah football and has been for a while. So I'll, I'll, I'll give them a B plus because you can't have a successful college football program with just a good head coach. you have to make good hires and you know I wouldn't say that they've brought in just these unbelievable guys who are brilliant schematically but they've clearly been good, right they have not been they've not been liabilities they have not been you just can't win that many games. you can't win that many games if you don't have have good assistants coming in and Kyle Whittingham knows what he is looking for finds guys who, you know, are going to to buy into what he is selling and what he sells is, you know, a lot of wins. Only two years under 500 in 18 tries with the Utes. And those were both five and seven campaigns. That is, as the young people say, elite. I appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.